0: Hey, News Radio 570 WKBN. Ron from 619, and uh, welcome. It's Monday, and we don't like to let uh, a Monday go by without uh, getting an update from. Our financial guy himself, John Arnold, uh, is with us tonight uh, till 7 on this uh, Martin Luther King holiday. Obviously, the market's not open today, John, and uh, so no action to report as far as uh, that's concerned. Wanted to pick your brain on a couple areas, though, if you don't mind, uh, as, as we go along. You and I were talking earlier in a week, and uh, earlier this week, uh, on, on one particular day, you were meeting with four brand-new clients, you know, people that had made the you know, for whatever reason decided what get out of the bank or change investors in general, talk a little bit about uh, why those people decided to kind of seek you out and 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 how those experiences went
1: oh wow that's amazing you picked up on that you thankfully did my driveway that day so they could pull in so thank mm-hmm. you um, uh, the truth is um, you know they they 've been hearing my strategies and and our, the way you know the way we do things over the show that you and I share here on Monday nights. And between the show, some of them are referrals from other clients who kind of gave me the nod. And what happened, where they come from is, is another financial advisor that has probably dropped the ball or really is not their cup of tea or hasn't taken advantage of this market uh, upswing and has played the fear game. And then the other, obviously, is you know people sick of stagnant money in the banks at a half to 1%. Which is taxable, which is outrageous in itself. So it's been a it's been a mixture of this you know the the strategies we talk about on the show, the market bringing about confidence and and referrals from existing clients, and um, I would say we generate five to ten. No, that's an exaggeration. I'm going to say three to five um, new new client accounts. From those sources every week, and it, and it, it's uh,
0: when when somebody decides, you know, after they hear you either on the broadcast or, uh, or hear you from someone else that, you know you're 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 working with and refers you, they call the office, they schedule an appointment. Talk a little bit about those first meetings. I mean, uh, you, you, what people can expect.
1: Um, I'll break it down in the most elementary terms possible. When the when the clients come in, obviously we get them a a Coke or a beer or a coffee, or whatever they prefer. And uh, we don't make them wait, obviously, because I hate when people do that to me when I'm in their office. And we get right down to business, and I turn the interview process over to the client, believe it or not, a, pers- a prospective client, I should say, to where I let them ask questions about me. And a lot of them don't know what questions to ask. Um, so I kind of give them a laundry list of, of questions they should ask. And obviously, we had the rebuttals prepared. And they appreciate that because you don't know what you don't know. So things like you know, how long have I been in business, what, what licenses do I hold, what academics do I hold, um, what strategies do I prefer, what products do you know do I really don't, don't like, such as uh variable annuities and mutual funds and especially indexed annuities. Uh things I you know, you know, I wanna know about items such as what's a good rate of return to keep me employed, I always use that line. And they look at me puzzled and they say "Well you know is eight to twelve percent keep me as your advisor in, in good markets and you know they're they're shocked to hear that that's what what we expect and and that's definitely what I expect to do in a good market and um obviously with no guarantee and then I tell them all and then I and I turn the interview process over to myself because I don't accept all clients because we got clients that are just completely out of bounds or their expectations are out of line uh, a lot of times you know we just say we're not a fit. Um, because we'll definitely disappoint them. And then um, I also make it clear that I don't want to be Johnny come lately to where I'm looking to be by their bedside uh, at death. You know, I want to be at the funeral and, you know, making, making adjustments to the money to hand it off to their loved ones. And the reason why I tell them that is because I don't want you to choose me based on this year's results. Uh, I want you to know that, like every great coach in America, I'm gonna have a losing season once in a while and um, that I'm not always right and that I'm gonna give you my all and my staff's gonna give you my all and if we make it a mistake, we're gonna apologize and fix it and make sure it doesn't happen again. And that we're here to be a team. It's a team approach. And uh, I always give my cell phone just so they can call me in, you know, give a call give me a call on weekends or at nights because I don't want them sitting around anxious because they don't understand something. And then I and I usually, believe it or not, try to talk talk out of making a decision that same day. majority of the people do do come in and I'm making a decision to go with me the same day. But I believe it or not, I try to talk them out of doing that. And, uh, why I know that's a bad sales technique because I, again, I want somebody for the long haul. I want somebody, I don't want any buyer's remorse. I don't want them to feel like there's an obligation. I don't want them to feel like they're rushing to a financial decision because if they do, then they're always going to be looking over their shoulder. So, um, I just say, listen. Why don't you guys take the weekend or a couple of days? And well, what we'll do is we'll prepare the paperwork. You'll sign it. In a couple of days, if you say this is not for us, then we could just read it. But you know what happens is ninety percent of the time they say, you know what, we're ready. We've heard you, and we like how you do things, and they sign away. And the main thing, the main thing they walk out of there is, is they always come out with something more than what they came in with. Meaning that even if they don't go with us, we end up giving them a strategy or a, a couple techniques that maybe can help their portfolio that maybe can help with the other people they're with. So I think it's positive for both parties all the way around. In that first meeting, do you lay out,
0: uh, <laughs> after talking with them and you guys talking, do you lay out with them what your strategy will be as far as how much they're going to invest with you?
1: I do. I do. I don't and I don't really... So the, the second employment is really where the strategies come in. I, do, I give a vague analysis of the strategies, and that's to protect myself. I think our strategies are very, uh, very uh, I'm going to say, highly technical, and they, they've, they've worked, and I don't want to give away the ship. That's how I stay in business. So I won't tell people exactly where I'm invested in until their account's over. So on the second meeting is when we have a meeting, when their money comes in and we get them set up online, and I have a portfolio of fact sheets and charts, and I show them you know, where they're at now, where, I wanna, where they're going to be in the event that, the investments do what we project they're going to do. And it's not always a guarantee that's going to happen, but they understand that on their side. And then, uh, I talk about how many moves we plan to do a year as far as reallocating the portfolio and what to expect from me face to face and on the phone. And then on the third meeting is usually an annual review of, of, you know, how those strategies went. So it's a three-step process, but on the first interview and the first, um, uh, the first consultation. Even though they move ahead, uh, believe it or not, we don't talk that much strategy. I talk mostly about them. I want to know all about them. I want to know what you know what what kind of rate of return they're looking for, how liquid this money is. Are they looking to hand this money off to their kids? Do they need income from it? Are they looking to protect it from estate taxes? Are they looking to is
0: there it from- is there a generality about that? Do you find do most people need to, need uh, in the income from it in addition to their retirement? Or do most people, not, in general, not touch it and let it grow?
1: No, I'm going to say you hit on a great subject there. I'm going to say 70% of our retired folks do need the income. It turns out to be when they get retired, they find out they actually, they actually don't need it. With both Social Securities coming in and maybe a pension or two, they end up, because when you, when you retire, you don't spend as much money. I don't know why the reasoning is behind that, but you don't. Uh, other than obviously driving and lack, you know, lack of doing lunches and gas at work, but um, for whatever reason, you don't spend that much money when you're retired as when you are working. But I think they they use it for more of a nest egg protection, for more of a peace of mind. But they need it in their mind. But when we do the budget, it turns out they really don't need it. And so what happens is we reevaluate maybe three to five years from now and structure an estate plan for passing the wealth on, and that, that's part of the obviously the financial planning process we use. But I would say out of the gate, 7, seven out of 10 people do need it.
0: Uh, is it a common question for folks to be asking you about um, giving it to their kids or worried about nursing homes and dying? Is that a pretty common question most folks ask?
1: Excuse me. I would say 9 out of 10, maybe even 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. If they have kids, unless they're single, and every once in a while, we'll get a single person in there with no kids. But I would say, oh, let me put this way, 10 out of 10 people with families, that's always a concern. A lot of it's because of hype. You know, a lot of it's because of estate planning commercials or people like me that are always, uh, you know, I guess, urging the, urging the urgency of planning for the long term and protecting your estate from Medicaid spend down. Um, a lot of them fall into that those commercial traps, and a lot of them. To be honest with you, know exactly what they're talking about, and they're extremely savvy. They've been to the, you know all the Medicaid seminars and all the Social Security seminars repeatedly, and a lot of them end up knowing more than I do, to tell you the truth. So um, between us two, we come to, and then we use the attorney, we come to a great, uh, what I think is a great um, remedy to the situation.
0: All right, stand by. I'm going to do the headlines, sure. and I'll come right back. All right, John Arnold's here. You kind of, uh, I'm going to kind of do an overview of John, get you, get you a little bit. One of the benefits I think of, you know, holidays, because, you know, you don't have a lot of market activity and that kind of stuff. But usually I think people have a tendency to get nervous when they're talking about their money or going someplace and meeting with someone or doctors and that kind of stuff. We'll uh, talk more in just a minute.
2: Well, Trumpeteers, your boy today, decided he wants to revoke
3: the license from NBC and ABC because they tell lies about him. How about we revoke his
2: license since he lies about 99% of the time? I love you, WKBN. I really do. I think I'm going to get sick. I just heard Hannity interview Trump, and Trump explained how he needs to get all these companies to bring their jobs back here with this corporation tax cut. It's not known that we know he owns corporations, so he wants this 15% tax cut. Does he not know that we know he this his companies overseas?
1: Yeah, I have a comment about the uh, Amazon and the 50,000 jobs. Okay, number one, try to get 50,000 people to apply in the first place. Number two, let them pass a drug test. You guys have been talking about companies that can't find 100 people.
3: Thanks for calling the Rivers Rush and Ron Hotline at 729-0989. Please hang up. This is the Ron Verb Show on News Radio 570,
2: WKBN. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. A conservative energy group in Ohio hired a Republican polling firm to survey conservatives in Ohio about renewable energy. Requiring utility companies to ramp up their use of renewable energy, such as wind and solar, has been a hard sell to Republicans in the state legislature. But the Ohio Conservative Energy Forum, which supports renewable energy expansion, says a clear majority of the 400 conservative Ohioans they polled statewide also support it and are even willing to pay a little more in their energy bills for it. Michael Hartley is a consultant for the group and explains the reason for the poll. To be able to educate
1: and inform Republican policymakers. Taking, you know, policymakers, legislators, administration, whomever, taking away the rhetoric of be it the utilities, be it, you know, the environmentalists, depoliticizing it and saying, here is a snapshot done by the polling firm that you trust for your campaigns. Here's the snapshot of where actual grassroots rank-and-file conservatives are on these issues.
2: A majority also say they do not want electric utilities to impose a surcharge to keep older coal-burning power plants operating. A panel of automotive journalists has named the 2018 Honda Accord, built in Marysville, the car of the year. Honda says it's humbled by the award. For more state news, go to owenandradio.com. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network
3: message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head? Comb it over? Wear a hat? Just stop. This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts easy 55 to 85850. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY55 to 85850. Ask about the Bosley Guarantee, EASY55 to 85850. Our next update at 7. Just ahead, more stimulating talk from the O'Charlie's Digital Studios. Nine ninety nine 99 menu, nine great meals, one great
0: price. Oh, Charlie's news on demand. Go to 570WKBN.com. Bad credit, no credit. Special financing available at Donnell Ford. Market
3: Street Boardman. Need a furnace checkup? Call Mazza Heating and Cooling in Girard, your factory-authorized Bryant dealer. A storm system moving through the area this evening and tonight will keep the risk of snow showers in our forecast. An additional inch or two possible overnight, an isolated spot up to three, temperatures sliding into the middle teens by morning. Scattered clouds around for your Tuesday, still the chance of a snow shower early with little additional accumulation expected, highs in the mid to upper teens. With your Storm Team 27 forecast, I'm meteorologist Paul Wetzel.
0: Now, 24. All right, News Radio five seventy W John Arnold is with us. You would you would agree though, John? I mean, my point being, I think most people, are, I don't know, I guess nervous might be the word when they're, you know, they've worked a lifetime or however long saving their money and uh, and want to try to figure out. Okay, now who do I have confidence in, if you will, as far as uh, in investing this money? And people are people more nervous right now than they have been in the past because things are are so high with the market. I mean, are do they ask you? Well, things are so high. You know, buy buy low, sell high. Are people more nervous as a result of it?
1: No, and and that's ironic that you say that because it goes it goes to tell you about behavioral finance on how human emotion plays into the in, into the the financial cards game so easily. The truth of the matter is my phone should have been ringing off the hook and a line from here to Walmart to to invest money with me in 2008 and 2009. And just the opposite was happening. Obviously, we were losing clients. Uh, people were pulling out of the market. People were scared to death, hoarding their money, cash, you know, all kinds of stupid horror stories. And then, obviously, now in 2018, we do have that line out the door. We do have that uh can't-wait-to-sign-up-with-us type attitude, which I'm very thankful of, but... You know, it's one of those things to where, believe it or not, you know, economic times are good. Uh, People are feeling really good about the United States. They're feeling really good about the investments in the stock market. And you pair that with, you know, I've got about 18 years under my belt now and been through a couple wars in the market, and they can sense the confidence. It's a good match made in heaven right now. But believe it or not, no, there's not that much skepticism on the market high.
0: And uh, so people aren't nervous getting in, thinking, "Okay, if we're at a high, there's only one way to go. It goes up, must go down," uh, yeah. t- type of thing. Your own perspective, you know, your best guess are go- are good days still ahead? I mean, what's uh, you've hit it a lot of times. What's your read on where we're? or What vibes are you getting?
1: Uh, I think they are excellent days ahead. I-, I think unless we have a black swan event, also know you know a, a catastrophic event. I see the GDP getting higher I see earnings per share is getting better I, I I see uh balance sheets getting better cash flow statements getting better I see the American economy charging I think we're I think America is where China was at in maybe 2003 to where damn I mean it, it, it's a freight train runaway freight train so uh I I think there's good times ahead and obviously you you did could touch on something and it's important for the listeners out there that's a guess you know, one terrorist attack or a North Korean war, or you know maybe a 1987 uh, market meltdown for no particular reason one day sends us market into a spiral. But uh, contention upon those crazy things happening, I mean, we have so many uh, due diligence processes in place. We have so many compliance guards in place, such as Sarbanes Oxley. We have the the mortgage crisis uh, guards up. We have the penny, you know, the the, the technology stock meltdown that protected us from stocks that weren't worth anything on paper. I mean, there's a lot of safeguards in the market, not to mention we have, uh, we have safety guards in the stock market, by the way, that a lot of people don't know on the indexes. So when the indexes fall by a certain amount at a certain pace, which was induced by the stock market crash of 87, the market would just come to a screeching halt and shut down to protect itself, like almost a circuit board overload. And um, that will give people time to bail in the event that there is a market implosion. So, um I can't say that it's guaranteed not to go down and I can't say that it's probably not going to go down but I will say on a meter uh my 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 arrow swings very way very much way to the bull. All
0: right so so with you with the people that you met with recently obviously you, you know you have you know risk categories you know basically you know uh small medium and large if you will like at a restaurant and that's based on a person's Age. That's based on a person's uh, age, how close they are to retirement, and what and what they're comfortable with. I mean, all of those things are factors in when you interview them on determining how you're going to invest their money and in what sectors. I just get you to plead guilty to that, right?
1: Absolutely, guilty as charged.
0: All right, and uh, so I mean, that's where you start, you know, with 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 that type of stuff, and then. When you put them in whatever sectors they might be, there's still diversity within those sectors, right, John? Even if we say, okay, you know, you don't want to take big risks, so we take less risks, but there's still a diversity there, correct?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about, like, how I manage the money is very rarely are we going to have a, a portfolio made up strictly of common stock or calls or puts. It's relatively going to be make, made up of, of ETFs, exchange-traded funds. And we're going to sector pick to where it makes sense. to Where there, we're diversifying within the, the fund, like you're talking about. To where maybe if we have a something called a renaissance fund, where it's an industrial renaissance fund, to where you got banking in there, you got steel products in there, you got nailers, you got wood, you got cheap, you know you got paint like Sherwin Williams in there, you got all kinds of different products that will go in the construction of, uh, of of a building or a bridge, and that gets piggybacked by the financing of it. So we're buying a fund. And this is an example that does that. So when we buy a fund, it's not, say, mid-cap growth fund. It's where it's just a bunch of mid-cap stocks. It's going to be sector-driven, but it's going to be diversified, like you talked about, amongst the fund. In addition to that, we're not going to overweight your portfolio most of the time by more than 50% of the portfolio into one sector. So let's say if we have uh, building, healthcare, medical devices, et cetera, and when you have twelve positions, those you know, just as an example, they're not going to hog more than five to eight percent of your your portfolio, because only a fool would do that. Um, and it's easy to get caught into that that over diversification of something that seems so beautiful on the outside looking in. But you got to stay disciplined because you don't know what's around the corner.
0: Right, and and even though you feel good about the future, if you will, that diversity kind of uh, kind kind of uh, covers covers all of that kind of stuff, basically.
3: Well,
1: I, it covers it. It doesn't protect you from risk, but it definitely spreads out your risk. Mm-hmm. But I, The main thing I, I, I want to get across to investors out there, especially novice investors, is diversification broadens your risk, but it doesn't decrease your risk, meaning that, you know, risk is risk. So if you have mid-cap, large-cap international, small-cap value, et cetera, and let's say you're diversified 10% each way, and let's say you have 10 positions you're still going to lose money in a smart market crash, period. Uh-huh. You lose as much as the guy is not diversified, probably not. But you're still going to lose. You're still going to get your ass kicked. And, and don't let one of these books or XYZ financial guys on the radio tell you differently. The truth is you're going to lose money in the market that, that goes sour. And, uh, aren't, and if
0: you're older, people would be nervous about that, right? Because they don't have time to recoup from that.
1: Yeah, and that's probably the challenge that I have right now. So, we have people, a lot of people coming to us retiring between 58 to 59, sometimes 55 if they're lucky. And of course, they want the big market gains. So but, the, but John,
0: isn't one of their problems when you're talking those ages, in yeah. all seriousness, and, and you deal with a large clientele base, isn't one of the biggest concerns for someone of that age truly outliving their money? Because, I mean, they're starting. It's
1: their only concern. It's their only
0: concern. Uh, they're starting so soon, you know, 55, 56, versus maybe 65.
1: It is their their own concern. And on bookending it, the good news is they they always, most of the, not always, but most of the time they don't even touch, they don't even get close to running out of money. One, their spending habits have not changed. Two, they're spending a lot of money, or spending less money, excuse me, at retirement. They are getting a Social Security check or maybe two of them with the wife. They do maybe have a veteran's pension somewhere or an old steel mill pension. And, uh, you know, to tell you the, tr- the type of truth, after you turn 75, there's really not much to do. I know it's a, a big, <laughs> a, a, an old-age bigot type of comment, but I'm telling you the truth. I love it. I see it. What are you doing at 75? You're, you're not traveling the world. You're not you're not golfing every day. You're not going out to eat every day. You're, you're watching your TV programs and maybe a bite or two out the week and hoping your grandkids visit you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just being straight with the audience. So if someone retires between 55 and 60, our goal is that you know, obviously have make sure their savings last at least 25 to 30 years because when they go past the 80, Social security and some other stuff, we're really going to carry the ball. Um, and, that, and so what, my point in bringing that entire situation up was my biggest challenge of folks is the people that want to take more risk than they should, and i got to talk them off the ledge a little bit, to say, hey, listen, things are pretty now, but really we need to be balanced we need to have a balanced approach here, and that sucks because it's boring. And I know, and really, it's really hard for me to prove myself beyond maybe the ever Jones guys because there's only so much you can do with a balanced portfolio. It's utilities, it's consumer staples, it's some limited maturity bond funds, it's balanced funds, it's high dividend, you know, it's high, it's low, it's low risk, high dividend paying stocks if you can find them, and it's boring, and it gives you a five to seven percent return, and it holds up in bad times. But when they hear about their neighbors doing twenty percent returns or forty percent returns, and say maybe a Facebook or Amazon, it gets a mention. It gets them thinking, "Man, you know what? That's the kind of returns I want because I, I want that action." But it's not prudent, and it's not fair to the client. So that's probably my biggest challenge: is talking people that age off the off the risk cliff. The risk kind on of a cliff.
0: Do you find that a lot of people that particularly that you're dealing with, because they've saved their money and they have money to invest? didn't live for the moment, if you will, have a difficult time as they get older and closer to the end, spending their money and enjoying it.
1: Yes, I beg them to, actually. They, think, they look at me cross-eyed, huh. and I would say some of them almost look at me like, maybe should I have this guy as my advisor? Why is he always telling me to spend my money? And i tell you the truth is because when I look at my clients and see my parents and I see my grandparents, I see my parents working two or three jobs, uh, such as yourself, you know, doing snow and lawn on the side with a main job just to get uh, get ahead. And I see, my, you know, my grandparents were, my grandpa used to put nails through soap to, to make a bar of soap with slivers and hide, you know, cash in a coffee can in the yard because they were depression kids. Right. And I see those same folks with hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars <clears throat> with me, and uh, and I so bad want them to enjoy their money while they can enjoy it. And they don't. They can't break away from those chains, those metal chains. Of if they can spend money, they don't need to clip coupons. They don't need to turn your conditioner down in the summer. But the truth is, you're banging your head against the wall, and uh, you're not going to get through to them. And if they're happy, I'm happy. That's that's where i have Do they worry that? Tomorrow. Do they worry
0: that if they leave it to their children, or I mean, you know, in general, I don't want you to betray anybody's trust. Do they worry that their kids will waste the money or or, or be stupid with it? <laughs>
1: You know, on the cover of the magazine, you would think that's the case. I always wondered that myself. But the truth of the matter is majority of them have this outlook to where if there's money left for them, if they want to go to Vegas or buy a new Lamborghini with it, so be it. They don't care. It's never come up. I know that's crazy, but it's never come up. Now, what I've found is they have that one, like, bad apple, and that's a wrong thing to say, no pun intended, but they do have that one bad apple in the family that maybe – got a gambling addiction or got some alcohol addiction or whatever and they still want to leave money to them, but they want to ration it out to them. So they'll build a trust to where the trustee handles off the money. That's the only time that situation has ever come up or, or brought up, but normally I'd say ten out of ten times it doesn't they don't care what happens after they die. Only at the fact there's something to hand off. How big a concern are folks
0: uh, both uh, uh, potentially with their passing on on their kids worried about divorce of their ch- their children getting divorced.
1: No, that does come up a lot. That does. And um that's when we get our attorney involved and you know I don't know what he I don't know what he does to earmark that money so it can't be touched. That's more of a legal question, but I will say that's a valid concern. That's a very valid concern and I would say that comes up two to three times a month when the passing on the money uh situation, scenario comes up.
0: I mean, in all reality, when people are dealing with their finances, there are a lot of very personal questions and a lot of at personal attitude or, or attitudes that are revealed by people. Would you not agree with that? I mean, you know, yeah. yeah I mean, when you say I, I'm trying to give people an example of when you say you interview them, this is part of the reason why you interview them, to find out, you know, because sometimes you got to pull a lot of people, hey, I'm really concerned if I leave this money to my son, you know, and he gets divorced, uh, then would she get half of what we worked all our life for? You know, questions
1: like this. I've heard that question probably 200 times I really have. Right. If you're not, you're not not, you're not bringing up a subject that's or or just, even just, a
0: just, if, even a guy that says okay if I pass this on and I I don't know if sometimes you meet with just a man and not the wife or if I pass this on and let's say she you know and I die and she gets remarried can I protect my earnings so that her new husband doesn't get a chunk of it and and deny our kids you know the money I mean do you hear that stuff
1: I hear like I said two or three times a month. And the truth of the matter is, I, I as much as I want to answer it, I'm not a lawyer. But we, you know, we have a lawyer in house, and um, you know, he and he's a divorce specialist too, along with an estate specialist, which is good. Just by coincidence, I, I got that in irony. But um, the truth of the matter is, that's more of a legal question. But it comes up literally two to three times a month, and I don't blame him, because who you married 20 years ago usually is not who you married 20 years now. Meaning, that, and, and we've all been there, right? So. You know, and I'm not. I don't put the the blame. Obviously, the spouse. I put the blame on each other. It's just human nature. And you, hopefully, the characters and values that you married are still there. But they sometimes aren't. So uh, you know, you. I had. You know, I've had clients all the time call me. You know, I might need to take my money out and put it in a, in a safe to where my, wife, or my husband doesn't know about it, etc. And I tell them my answer is always the same: one, consult an attorney, and two. Uh, it's your money. You do whatever the hell you want with it, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a huge tax consequence, and if your spouse has got half a brain, they're going to get a friend's account, forensic accountant, and they're going to find out where that money's at, so you're kind of screw-blued and tattooed, if you want to know the truth.
0: hmm but that's just a straightforward answer for them. Mm-hmm. Before they yeah, do, that's what they get from me. I mean, before they get to get something stupid or do something stupid is what I want to say. There's always concerns as far as medical expenses, though, as people age, correct? And sometimes people don't, don't, don't have a problem <laughs> with it.
1: Well, I will tell you something that we should have a program on. Is, we should have a whole program on as a health savings account. It's a mm-hmm. great tax deduction. It's often misunderstood and often confused with something called a flexible spending account.
0: Now we have a, now we have a health spending you know, right here at the station. You know, with our thing, you take so much money goes out of your paycheck into a health savings account.
1: Yeah, but there's two. There's a flexible spending account which which terminates at the end of every year, so it's easier to lose it. And there's a health savings account which is not. It's like an IRA. The money you put in accumulates tax deferred. You use it on medical expenses. It's tax free. Now. One of the one of the things I learned a hard way because I'm not in health insurance like it used to be anymore is you can't use it once you hit Medicare age. so I was touting this to our older clients and I had that on my face because they went to home savings alone and because they are in Medicare age they couldn't get it but listen if you're in if you're in that age bracket between thirty thirty to maybe forty you you're pretty much a fool if you don't have an h s a you can establish one in home savings loan for free that's who I use. I have no dog in that hunt. They're a competitor of mine. I like them because they're free and um, it's very high quality. And what I do is I just keep building and building. Every time I get a paycheck, whether it's 50 bucks or 500 depending on how the month is, I put away into that health savings account. One, tax, tax deduction is very nice. But two, what I'm trying to do is build up my health savings so high that I can plug in high deductible insurance, which will bring my... my Obviously, my premium is down to affordability. Uh, even with a, a $3,000 deductible, I make $1,200 a month with three kids and a wife, which is outrageous. Um, so my feeling is is if I can get enough in my health savings account, say maybe ten or $20,000, I could probably bump up to a $10,000 deductible and then bring my health insurance premiums way down. So it's affordable. And then, like I said, the tax savings in itself is amazing. So what I advise to our... The listeners out there, into my clients and whoever, is really plan for a separate bucket of money for retirement. Of what you touch, based on have your retirement money, but then also have this other bucket of money that's just for health savings, and not necessarily health savings account, but so maybe a portfolio of dividend paying stocks or a bounce fund that's earmarked just for health, health, and you know health uh, issues that come up in your fifties and sixties because. That can really destroy your portfolio until you hit Medicare age.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so you, and you said if you're 30 or 40, are you talking if you're self-employed or you have a job or what?
1: I'm talking both, man. I'm talking both. What I'm saying to you is, right, you have Social Security that's going to be there when you turn 62, maybe. You got maybe a 401k, and maybe you got something else. But that's for retirement, right? That's mm-hmm. for strictly just living. But what's happening is, is you see what they're doing to the Medicare on the, you know, they're slowly chipping away at it. They're probably going to push the Medicare East to higher because they're running out of money. They're making you pay for more. So it's going to be more on you now to survive. So let's say you're lucky enough to retire at 60. You got a five year window to go to 65. What are you going to do to afford that medical coverage until you're 65? My point being to our listeners out there, why don't you take another separate just build a portfolio on your own or with me or whoever you use. And just that money is just for medical expenses. So maybe it's 25 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever have you, in addition to your IRAs and 401Ks and IRAs and 43Bs and all those things. Just a separate little earmarked market of money because that's what I find myself doing, medical medical planning. In addition to retirement savings and passing on wealth, we're now for our younger executives and for our high net worth earners that are in their high twenties to mid forties, saying, "Hey, this is this is a major concern here. We don't want this deficit at retirement. If you're lucky to pull the trigger at 60. Uh, hmm.
0: So, uh, but if it's but if it's tax, you said it's what tax deferred. I mean, uh, before tax
1: deductible, to the tax deductible and tax deferred.
0: All right. So, doesn't that have to go through your employer? You know, who issues no. the p- paycheck?
1: Absolutely not. Oh, okay. It's just the opposite. No, you, uh, you go to uh, any bank. They have HSAs. Like I said, I prefer home savings only because they're free. You'll find that most HSAs are very expensive because they have to do the tax reporting where they're charging you 5 to 10 bucks a, a monthly statement fee, which is outrageous. But home savings has, happens to be free. That's where I use them. But they are obligated to send a 1099-R to the government, the IRS, to say this – and then they, they give you a copy of it, obviously – so when you file your taxes, it's the same as an IRA contribution. Right there it is. Here's my proof. I put in the money to the HSA. Now I can deduct the amount of money that uh, that I have here uh, for my total income for the year. And you might end up bringing yourself into a new tax bracket lower and save yourself even more money. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be an absolute fool if you can afford not to have an HSA. Honest to God, I'm not saying that would be mean or rude. But really, if you don't have an HSA, there's something wrong with you.
0: Well, it's a good thing that you're putting out there for people who maybe don't have one at work, maybe are, or maybe are self-employed. I don't know if you could have one at work and also have another one. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, though. you
1: can. It's just like an IRA, but you got you can only. I think the family max out is sixty nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. I don't have the I don't have the IRS tables in front of me. But it's all online. All you have to do is put HSA, IRS in there, and there's a million websites to show you the max for family and individual. It's the same with the the 401k. You can you can do some personal IRA, you can do some 401k. But as long as you are below the uh, the outgoing threshold, you're going to be fine either way.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, John Arnold, this is what he's all about, you know, and uh, this is how what this is what he does. He's located in Canfield, if you know where uh, 224 and Lockwood Boulevard are, Star Center Plaza area, they call it, Star Center down there. Uh, He's located in that area, so, you know, in Boardman. Uh, And uh, if you would be interested in getting in touch with John or make an appointment to meet with John, and you're more than happy to do that, as you like to say, no obligation Right? It's kind of a get-to-know-each-other meeting,
1: if you will. Yeah, it's a free consultation. very easy going, no pressure. We don't expect you to make a decision that day or even next week. Just uh, give us a call so we can get you a free review and get you in there, and I guarantee you come out with a positive, uh, positive outlook on things.
0: All right. Now, phone number, website, all the pertinent info there, John
2: Arnold.
1: <laughs> all right. 330-965-9890. Again, 330-965-9890. And then the website's www.jarnoldwealth.com. Uh We do have a Facebook page. Like it and share it, and we'll uh, put you in a drawing for a hundred dollar gift card.
0: I'm gonna. I, I want to take that promo out if you don't mind, Steve. Can we do that? I want to because I want to do one other thing. Just pause it here, and then we'll take the news at seven because I want to congratulate John Arnold on the birth of of the newest Arnold, John.
1: Yeah, baby Jordan, seven <laughs> pounds eight ounces. My wife delivered her. No meds, traditionally. Uh, amazing woman. The baby's doing great. Uh, Jordan Talafia's Arnold is her name. And uh, we're very proud, and that's the final one from the Arnold family. So anyway, Arnold family. <laughs> now, this is number three, right, John? This is number three. All right. so it's Three's let, a good number.
0: Let's go. The oldest is how old now?
1: Uh, he's five today. We just had a little birthday party for him about an hour ago.
0: Then the next one is? Two. And now a newborn. And a newborn
1: born uh, January 10th.
0: Well, you know, John, you know, you might say it's the end. I'm just going to tell you, you got to break the tie. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> We're know, good. Gotta, gotta, and, and see what happens. You know, got to go one more. See if it ties it all up or what. Or what happens? Hey, John, congratulations. Serious hey, congratulations lot, to you, you and your wife, and uh, and uh, best of luck to your entire family. Thank you, John Arnold. We'll talk Monday at uh, six again. We appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, John. Thank you, sir. All right, News Radio Five Seventy KBN, ABC News.